yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. So um, let's see. We probably have, what, about 100, 150 people here this morning. What's, what's one thing that you guys think we all have in common this morning? What's one thing that we all have in common? Sitting in church, yes. Thank you, Duncan. That is true. We look good. Uh, that's debatable, John. Just kidding. I love you, buddy. I would say the one thing that we, we all have in common, amongst other things, um, is we all do stuff. We all do things, different things, chores, jobs, vacations, travel, work. We all do something or another. It's, sorry? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's one of the first things that we, that we ask when we introduce ourselves to someone, right? So what's your name? What do you do? It's an important part of, of, of who we are. And on top of that, I would venture to say that most of us, when we do stuff, we probably like to kind of call the shots. We like to be the one in charge. Sure, there's, there's times we like to kind of pass off responsibility. Honey, would you, would you mind planning this vacation, please? Bobby, would you, would you just tell me what you want me to do and I can, I can do that job and, and do that? Sometimes we like to kind of turn the brain on autopilot and, and just coast a little bit. But I would say for the most part, and I, I would assume that you guys agree with, with me, that we want to be in control. We like being in control. We don't necessarily like being told what to do. Unfortunately for us, Peter has something he would like to share with us this morning about this. In fact, there's, there's two different themes that we're going to be seeing in the text today. And one is submission, and two is suffering. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? Submission, suffering, sign me up. <laughs> now, this, this word, I mean, these words make us cringe, right? I mean, I get chills just saying them. But that's where First Peter has led us this morning. He's going to challenge us the way we think about submission and the way we think about suffering. So weeks ago, we started off in chapter one of Peter's letter talking about the great blessings the Jewish Christians had received from God. Even though they were scattered everywhere, Peter reminded them that they're chosen by God, that they, have, they can have everlasting joy, that through Christ they have a royal priesthood. The blessings just go on and on. Peter's also been encouraging them to persevere amidst the persecution that they, they've been they've been receiving from, from others. The last two weeks, we've seen Peter shift to a more specific direction on what it looks like to follow Jesus and what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. We saw him encourage Christians to be a light to others through their works. And then last week, we saw Peter implore the Jewish Christians to submit under government. Now today, we're gonna look at another specific example We'll look at what it looks like to submit in the workplace or in the things that we do. We'll also get a broader image of how we should be living in general, just in our, in our day-to-day lives, by looking at the way Jesus lived his life. Now, there's going to be some slave language in the text today, so I just wanted to... Uh, ultimately, this language is, is about... It's tied to us in our, in our workplace. I want to just kind of highlight that before we dig in. And again, those two words are going to be in there. Submission, suffering. I mean, those words just, they make my hair kind of stand on it. And that, maybe it's the same for you. And I think that's honestly because we as, as Christians, as the church, we've used those words to kind of justify a lot of, a lot of evil um, in our past, a lot of, a lot of sin um, from, 
from ancient Rome to Catholic indulgences, even American history. I mean, those, those two words, they're, they're pretty loaded. Um, they're loaded words. It's, it's loaded language. And so even this morning, for, for you personally, they might hold a significant, um, some kind of particular significance, maybe in a damaging way for you. So um, I just wanted to say that today, my hope and prayer is that Jesus will use this text to help us see that godly submission is actually freeing instead of strangling, which we, we often see it as. So if you're ready to dive in, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. You can get your Bibles out if, if you want. You probably already have them open. That's fine. We are on page 851. Hear the word of the Lord. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no sin was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So right off the bat, this can be a hard text to relate to because of some of the language involved. Like I said, the first thing I want to address is the first word here, slaves. Slaves is a rough translation. So if you have a different, different translation, um, it might say something different. But in the NIV here, slaves, it, it, the people Peter's addressing are the people that would be considered to obey somebody without questioning. So really, anybody with some kind of authoritative figure, a boss that's over them, um, and generally in the workplace, right? So Peter is imploring his audience to submit to their bosses or to submit under authority. On the surface, I think we can probably all agree that this makes sense. Submitting to, to someone in authority over us is probably the reasonable thing to do. I mean, what happens if, if, a, if a police officer pulls you over and we just, we just drove away, right? I mean, there's gonna be a police chase, it's gonna be chaotic, maybe people will get hurt, that's not good. What if? If we didn't obey the traffic signal here at Edinger and Golden West, what would happen? I mean, it'd be like the 405, right? It'd be gridlock, it'd be awful, it'd be chaos. And that's what, I mean, we, we, it makes sense, submitting, submitting to authority makes sense to us. But even so, how many of us are actually willing to submit to authority all the time? How many of us are willing to, without any kind of questioning, without even talking back or anything like that, submit to authority all the time? Even if we have a phenomenal boss, like my boss sitting right here, front row, <laughs> how often is our gut response to just submit, to, to just take what they say without, any, without anything, without any grain of salt, with nothing? And Peter even takes it one step further in the text this morning, because not only is he directing his audience to submit to a good boss, he's saying we should submit even to an unjust or harsh boss, even, even a boss that punishes you for no reason. 
If we have a hard enough time submitting when the circumstances seem fair, why would we want to submit when they clearly are not fair? What's Peter's reasoning behind this type of submission? We get a little clue in verse 19. Let's, let's, let's look back. Verse 19, for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Because they are conscious of God. God is on his mind and he realizes that God is observing his behavior because he is conscious of God. He puts more value in pleasing God than pleasing himself. But in order for this to make sense for us, we have to first trust that, that God is truly in control. I mean, what person doesn't want to fight back in the face of clear injustice? Especially when that injustice is, is affecting us personally. But if we, if we truly believe that God is in control over all things, we know that he has a plan beyond our, our current circumstances, beyond that suffering, beyond that injustice, and even beyond anything that's good that may be going on in our lives. So Peter is encouraging workers to follow Jesus' example of enduring that injustice by submitting to the will of the Father. Jesus knew that God was in control and that God had a perfect plan. Now, does this, does this apply to, perfectly to every situation today? Of course not. I, I want to be clear on something. Submitting to authority does not mean we always have to agree with authority. The difference is in the attitude behind our disagreement. If your boss is scheduling you for days that you've requested off time and time and time again, I'm not saying you should just shut up and take it. I'm not saying that. Or if, if your boss verbally abuses you in front of other employees, I'm not saying that you sit down and shut up. That's not what I'm saying here. That's not what submission means, and that's not what, what Peter's getting at in this text. Submission is humbly going to your boss Humbly going to your boss to try to come up with a solution. And I know that some bosses, they're not going to care. They're not going to recognize you. They're not going to acknowledge that, that submission. And at that point, if things are consistently going that bad, as hard as it is to say, perhaps God is calling you elsewhere. I don't know. Every situation, every circumstance is going to be a little bit different. So for us, the, the important thing here the important thing that applies to every circumstance, I believe, is the, the underlying theme, theme of living like Christ and trusting in God's will. Again, using the, text, using the words from the text, being conscious of God in the workplace. We can do this when we recognize God as the ultimate authority. Sure, we may, we may be under the authority of a boss or someone else, but God has the authority over all things. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then in verse 33 says, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first God's kingdom, and all this other stuff will be added to it. Seek first God's kingdom, his righteousness. All these other things will be added. We look at it like this, from Jesus' perspective, with this truth about God in mind, obviously, obviously then God, God should be the one that we're obeying and living for because he has authority over all things. 
When we truly submit to God, we can actually shape and form our lives around his will. Just think of how this would deepen our witness at the workplace or in the things that we do. We just heard two weeks ago, back in verse 12, same chapter, it says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, it's, it's one thing if we go into work late every day and we kind of just have this attitude of we know it all and stuff. I mean, if we get punished for that, that's, that's, that's justified, right? But if we suffer coming from a place of true submission, from a place that's shaped by the life of Christ, we'll be putting Jesus on display for all to see. And it's, it's one thing, I realize it's one thing to talk about this in church where a lot of us believe the same thing. A lot of us kind of have this idea and can kind of nod our heads at, at what's being said here. It's hard to actually go out of these doors and live like this on a day-to-day basis. It's hard because we live in a time and in a country where submission is a dirty word. No one wants to submit. Let's be honest here. Nobody wants to submit. We want to fight our way to the top so that we can earn that big salary, provide for the people around us, and get that white picket fence everyone's talking about, right? That's what the world preaches at us every chance they get. Every chance they get. That's why Peter's word here is is a tough pill for us to swallow. But if we can learn to submit to the Lord and to the people around us, what a light will be. The world expects us to take matters into our own hands and fight back in the face of suffering. But as followers of Jesus, we put our hope in something greater than that. We put our hope, we believe that God is in control. So submitting means that we put that belief, that belief that God is in control, submitting simply means putting that belief into practice. We submit our will and our control to God and his sovereignty. And this isn't just a one-time thing. It's a constant. But again, it's hard. Every day is different. Every single day at work or in the things that we do, it's different. There's different circumstances. It's hard day in and day out. To arrive at work on time, to be early if we need to, to work hard, to have a good attitude, to love the people around you, to, have, to be a joy to, to work with. I mean, the, the circumstances go on and on. We could, we could fill a list with what, what this could look like for, for us. It's gonna be different. And it's hard. Behind it, the intentionality behind, behind living like that, it's hard to do to live that intentionally all the time. It's hard to intentionally submit in every single circumstance. But the beautiful thing here is that God provided for us by sending Jesus as an example of what it is to look like, to submit, and also as the empowerment to live intentional lives. The the intentional submission we see in the first part of the text applies to us as workers, as doers. In the next portion, Peter takes that and broadens it out into a general call in our lives, into each area of our lives. So I'm going to take another look. We're going to start back in verse 20 in the first section. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. 
When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So we talked about intentional submission in the workplace. Now Peter's letter is expanding out into a call to intentionally submit in everything in our lives, using Christ as both the reason and as the example. So why do we submit? Simply put, as followers of Jesus, we're called to it. In fact, the text says we're, we're called to follow in Christ's steps, in Christ's footsteps, to walk the way he walked, to live the way he lived, to love the way he loved. It even says in verse 24 that he, he suffered and died a humiliating death so that we have the opportunity to die to our sins and live righteously. Jesus died so that we could have the opportunity to live the way he lived. This submission we've been talking about cannot happen without Christ's death. Our transformation, the opportunity to be born again, where the old is dead and we are made new, made whole, our transformation is through Christ's death and resurrection. If Christ doesn't submit, we die. And if we don't submit to Christ, we'll never truly live. Because Christ did submit, we can now be healed of this disease of sin. If Christ doesn't submit for us, we die. And if we don't submit to Christ, we will never truly live. Peter is saying that if, if we submit to God, we can find freedom from our desire to live selfishly and instead live the same way Christ lived. Was it easy for Jesus? No, not at all. Think back to his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. The text says he, he was praying blood or, or drops like blood when he was saying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Take the cross from me. Take the suffering from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. This, those words, are truly the crux of our faith. To be a Christian doesn't just mean to believe in Jesus. That's the start of it. But then there's this whole journey where we're transformed and becoming more and more like Jesus. And at the root of this transformation is continual submission to God. Not my will, but yours be done. So what does that look like? How do we submit? Well, once again, Christ is our example. Instead of retaliating or, take, or making threats, it says in verse 23 that Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself. He gave it to God. He, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. I also think verse 25 gives us an outstanding picture of what this can look like. I'm going I'm to read. read this one last time. For you were like sheep going astray. For we, you as we. For we were like sheep going astray. But now we have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Now, I know we, we talk about sheep quite a lot in the church, but I absolutely love this analogy, and here's why. If you've ever seen video of, of shepherds herding sheep along, one thing you'll see in every, every single one, sheep are stupid. 
Sheep are so dumb. It's, it's so funny to watch. Without direction, without a shepherd, they have no idea what they're doing. If, if a shepherd can lead one sheep to the slaughter, the rest will just follow. It's, it's crazy. And this is true. Back in 2005 in Turkey, there's a story of shepherds that they take the morning off, they, they stop herding the flock, and they say, oh, they'll be fine. One of those sheep finds a 45-foot cliff and jumps. 1,500 other sheep follow that one sheep and jump off the cliff. 1,500 other sheep follow that sheep off the cliff. That's insane to me. <laughs> Only the first 400 died because those 400 made such a big pile at the bottom <laughs> that the rest, the 1,100 later ones, they, they survived. It was like they were, they're landing on 100 Serta mattresses. It's insane. <laughs> But this is what Peter's talking about, church. This is what Peter's talking about. Sheep are stupid. Sheep need a shepherd. But I'm sorry to say that we're the sheep in this story. We are the sheep in this story. When Jesus talks about sheep, he's talking about us. When Peter's talking about sheep here, he's talking about us. Sheep need a shepherd or things like this can happen. We need a shepherd or things like this can happen. And on the other hand, when there is a shepherd there, the sheep that stay closest to him, the sheep that follow him, they're the ones that get led on the right path. They're the ones that get taken to the best pastures, the place that the shepherd wants them to go. That is what submission is supposed to look like. It's saying, Lord, you are the good shepherd. You know what's best for me, so I'm gonna stay as close to you as possible so that I don't end up wandering aimlessly or I might find a 45-foot cliff to jump off of and take 1,500 other people with me. Submission is the deepest form of faith. Because if we believe that God is fully in control, that he is good, that he is our good shepherd, and that he has our best interests in mind, why wouldn't we want to submit to him? Do you see how submitting to God is actually freeing for us? Because why wouldn't we want to be the sheep that are close to the shepherd? Why wouldn't we, we want to be the sheep that are getting directed on the right paths and to the best pastures? Why wouldn't we want that? Because we, we have all these things going on in our lives. And like sheep without a shepherd, we think that if we let go of these things, everything is going to come crashing down. We hold on so tightly to the things that are going on in our lives. We think if we let go, everything is going to come crashing down. We forget that God's hand is always with us. And if we can let go, if we submit, he takes our lives into his hand and he will guide us on the right path. This is why submission isn't strangling or limiting. It's absolutely freeing because we can let go, give it to God. Submission, let go, give it to God, and he'll direct us like the shepherd to the best pastures on the right paths. Again, this submission is not a one-time thing. We can't just say, all right, God, here you go, I'm good. It doesn't work like that. This submission has to happen over and over and over again because like sheep, we go astray and we, we want to take back parts of our lives and hold them close and not let them go again. We have to continually and intentionally submit these things back to God. God, I submit my day to you. God, I submit my job to you. God, I submit my meeting with so-and-so later to you. I give our conversation to you. God, so-and-so is walking towards me. We're about to have a conversation. Lord, 
I give, I give you my conversation. I give you my words. Speak through me. Last year around, around this time, uh, I took some time off from touring from the band that, that Chris was talking about so that I could spend some time with my wife, Katie, and, for our anniversary and for the holidays. The summer prior to that, I was gone for about 10 weeks, and it was really hard for us both to be apart for, for that, that period of time. And so when I got back from that summer tour, um, I wasn't sure if I was still called to be in the band or not. The suffering had kind of gotten so deep, I just wasn't sure anymore. So for weeks and weeks, I was stressing about what I was supposed to do. I was spending so much time stressing and mulling over everything in my head, I wasn't submitting any part of the decision to God. So to change that, that November and December that I was home from tour, that I took off, I got up early almost every single day to pray and ask God what his will was in that situation. In my submission in that way, in my prayer time, and through praying with my wife Katie, seeking counsel from the people around me, what I felt God was saying was to go do the next tour. I felt like he was saying, go do the tour, and I'll, 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 affirm, I'll affirm you in one way or another. And it was on that tour that my call to Phineas, Katie and Mike's call to Phineas, was affirmed. And it was affirmed in a very, very clear way. See, when I got home from that 10-week that summer tour, I was kind of in panic mode. The, the suffering felt like it was too much. And so my immediate reaction was, let's walk away. Let's leave the band so the suffering can stop. But when I was able to step back and submit to God, he revealed what his will was. It took a lot of time. The tour that I received confirmation on wasn't until March, and so I was, <laughs> I was waiting for a long time. But I was also submitting intentionally for a long time. There were months of it. And through that process, my trust in God was so, so deepened. My marriage with Katie was so deepened. And the ministry through the band has grown. If I had just gone with my initial knee-jerk reaction and left the band, who knows where I'd be today or who knows where the ministry would be? It all started with submitting to God. It started with submission. Submitting in prayer every morning, not to seek my will, but his will. Not my will. Your will be done, God. When Jesus suffered through everything, his arrest, his mocking, beatings, whipping, slandering, insults, eventually crucifixion, I can't fathom, I don't think any of us can really fathom what it must have been for him to submit. But because he did, he made it possible for us to do the same. He gave us a perfect example of just how much good and beauty and love can come from intentional submission. He is our good shepherd and the overseer of our souls. May we, being the sheep that we are, may we return to him so that he can teach us how to live. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I thank you for the work 
you're doing in this place. I ask that you would continue it. And that I ask for more, Lord. For more of your spirit in our hearts and in our lives. More of your presence. Give us eyes to see. Teach us how to submit. Teach us how to submit in our own lives. Show us what that looks like specifically, individually in our lives. Show us the things that we need to submit to you. Teach us how to get on our knees and do it. We just ask that you'd give us eyes to see your will, ears that can hear your voice, and a heart that is sensitive to your spirit. Wash us in your blood today, Jesus. Fill us anew with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the cross, and thank you that when you went back up into heaven, you promised and you did send the Holy Spirit, send a counselor so that we can be empowered to submit in the way that Christ did. And Jesus, thank you for the example of what it looks like to live. Teach us how to live. Teach us how to love. We need you. Come, Lord Jesus. In your name.